Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Wisconsin congressional candidate Trisha Zunker, Alyssa Mastromonaco, Riri Cheney, and Alex Wagner joined to tackle the following questions. What the hell just happened in Wisconsin? Do we judge women because we have high standards or because we're the real sexists? And can Richard Scarry's imagination and a pile of donuts save our collective sanity? All this and more right now. Before we get started, a quick reminder. Uh, lately, I found myself gravitating toward news stories that reinforce my worst fears about how long we're going to be in social isolation, uh, how many people I know might get sick, um, how many people that I know and care about will be out of work, and how long they'll be out of work for. Every day, there's something that just really taps into my deepest anxieties. But I had a thought yesterday that made me feel a little less bad, and that is that just because the worst case scenario came true the one time doesn't mean it's always going to be the case. And in fact, the likelihood that every single outcome of every single news story is going to be the worst possible outcome is actually pretty small. That's my attempt at being Pollyanna for you this week. Um, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama and burgeoning prairie survivalist Alyssa Mastromonaco to talk more about all this. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Erin. I think we've talked about this before, but you know my biggest pet peeve with the way that politics is covered, and I'm sure that you probably share this irritation. Uh, Please tell me. Okay. It is that I feel like the political press misses important stories in the service of shiny, insidery, distracting, daily digestible stories. Yes. Clickbait. I mean, like it's, yeah, it's clickbait, but there's a reason that it's clickbait. I mean, it it kind of, it's like junk food, right? Like it's, it's easy to understand. So let's like get the junk food out of the way first. Uh, 
Kaylee, Kaylee McEnany? That dumb bitch. She sucks. She <gasps> sucks, dude. I oh, mean, okay. literally, it's like Donald Trump and Mark Meadows sat around a table and were like, how can we round out the racist all-star team that we want to take us through this pandemic and to the fall? And they 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 landed upon someone who has made such insanely racist statements on Twitter and on television that she doesn't give a fuck about cleaning up. They found her. Terrific. Yeah. Every time I every time I hear the new White House press secretary Kaylee McEnany talk, I think this woman has definitely cried to get out of shoplifting charges. Absolutely. Right? That is the best <laughs> description of her personality and soul I've ever heard. Right. It's yeah. She's a. Uh, oh, I was thinking. I was like, God. She just seems like somebody who just. Anyway, she's but also, new White House press secretary. Ugh. Has, have Ugh. any of the last three press secretaries spoken? I mean, since old Sarah Huckabee left the building, they're mostly just like people. The press secretary is just someone who walks down to Pebble Beach where the reporters are to be like, yeah, I'm not answering your questions. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks that because it has the word secretary in it, President Trump thinks it's OK to give that job to a woman. Um <laughs> But, but none of the women seem to really do that good that good of a job. Grisham, Stephanie Grisham, the outgoing press secretary, who could be imaginary, like she could be like a John Barron type figure. I've seen pictures of her, but who knows if that's the real Stephanie Grisham? That could be an actress. Um, she's never given an actual press conference. Not one. Can you Not imagine? A single one. Just as an American, let me say that that is a profession in the White House, that's a job, that has like a daily deliverable. You know what I'm saying? The White House press secretary is supposed to do a briefing every day. So like, I want my money back. Like these people have not done their job. They are making one of the highest salaries allowed in government. And she does Mm -hmm. dick all day. They do nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many teacher salaries worth of income do they make? Like three. Probably three. three, Yeah, three. Three teacher salaries worth of income. At least maybe four. They and they do the the uh, public service equivalent under Donald Trump. At least there have been some good press secretaries in the past, um, even under George W. Bush. But under Trump, they have done the social good equivalent of like negative twenty teachers. Like they are all negative social press. They act like they never had teachers. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a. I think the main qualification to be a press secretary under. Donald Trump is to constantly be acting like you're really mad that the bouncer won't let you into the VIP room because all your friends are in there and you were just here last week. Exactly. Like, that's the attitude. Let, Ugh, I hate it. They're fucking awful. Just awful. They suck. They suck. That being said, that's the junk food story of the day because there's a lot more important stuff that we need to talk about. Like what happened in my home state of Wisconsin, which is, I was so angry about it last night. I was like vibrating with rage. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But before we get to that, I want to talk about um, the most recent departure from the presidential race. Alyssa, uh, take it away. Bernie Sanders. Just a little while ago, uh, Bernie got out of the race. Um for the president. And, you know, to me, I've always talked about this. If it were not for Bernie, I may never have gotten into public service. And it was his pure, just 
obsession with his constituents and doing right by them that I found so just like almost intoxicating that his, his deep desire basically for his entire life to help people. And so I don't think he will stop. You know, there was a lot of pressure on him though. There's one thing that people kept saying that was stupid, which is like, if he dropped out, we wouldn't have to have any more primaries, but like Wisconsin is a blaring example of the fact that a lot of these are also Republican and Donald Trump wants them to happen. So uh, Mm -hmm. he's certainly not going to let them, uh, he's going to do his best to not let them be postponed. But, um, you know, I think too, that when you see uh, Biden adopting so many of Elizabeth Warren's and Bernie's proposal that it's very heartening, I feel like, Biden is reading the room and seeing how um, these policies that were once seen as really fringe are actually much more mainstream uh, in the Democratic Party. But um, let's just like just send send hugs and kisses out to Bernie, who seems like he would want no hugs or kisses ever, even not during a pandemic. But uh, yeah. but we say thank you for your service. And we definitely need him on the front lines going forward, because uh, I do believe, especially now that uh, Medicare for all should fucking happen. Yeah, um, I think that he needs to I mean, he's done so much already. Um, and yeah, shout it from the rooftops. A pandemic, nothing like a pandemic to expose the ridiculousness of our for-profit healthcare system. Nothing like a pandemic to expose the fact that a lot of businesses might not be able to open again because of the expense of having to insure their employees. And I'm not normally a person on the side of like, oh, think about the businesses, but like on a practical level, this is an added expense that employers take on when they hire somebody. And if it wasn't something that they had to take on, if it was something that the government took care of instead, we would be a lot more nimble in getting back on our feet instead of right now where we have all these people who are going to be unemployed for, uh, you know, who knows how long. Right. And if we had a better, if we had Medicare for all, if we had universal health care, people would have known three weeks ago exactly where they could go and get tested uh, for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, now more than ever, we need some some massive overhaul of how we take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, uh, one more thing about Bernie, I think he woke a lot of people up and by woke people up, I mean, people who weren't even plugged into politics Mm -hmm. in the first place became either newly engaged or re-engaged because of him. And I hope that his voice and their voices will stay in the conversation when it comes to democratic politics, because we need the energy that Bernie brought to this race. And I'm, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. And we're going to, and we're going to need his energy into November. Like there is no way, like we need Bernie to keep energizing, you know, his core of the party and hopefully bring them along to understand that Donald Trump is the existential threat and that everybody should vote for him if they care about democratic principles at all in November. But uh, I hope too that Biden really embraces Bernie and reaches out in an even more meaningful way to his supporters to show that like he hears what's up. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, the Democratic Party and Joe Biden and the Biden campaign um, is in a unique position to kind of super team assemble with all of the candidates who ran for president. Yeah, exactly. All the Democratic president pre- presidential candidates who ended their campaigns are all have all indicated that they're dedicated to defeating Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple moments on earlier debate stages where it seemed like everybody was on the same page. And I was like, wow, imagine that team kind of pushing together. And I, I really think that if there's some unity, we can get some stuff done. It's like wonder twin powers activate shape of a bucket. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, you know, and Kamala Harris can just have a, a campaign rally where she stands behind a podium, plays clips of Donald Trump telling lies, pauses it and looks out onto to the crowd like, mm, no. no, I would just listen. I would her like disapproving Kamala faces. Mm-mm. I would just show up. I would rally around that. So I would too. Okay, but let's get to another serious story um, that has really had me down because it's my home state. Um, Alyssa, as you know, Wisconsin is, um, in political science terms, fucked. It's fucked. Um, It's fucked. Republicans in the state uh, in 2011 redistricted it to the point that it's basically impossible for Democrats to win a majority. And on Tuesday, the state held a primary, despite the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. The governor tried to move the primary and nobody really in the state wanted to have a primary except for Republicans who thought that having fewer people vote would help them win. I want to talk to somebody who can maybe help bring us out of this funk. And that's somebody who is in Wisconsin right now on the front lines campaigning for office. Look, I hate to be a homer here, Alyssa, but somebody's got to represent their rural districts because nobody's ever going to talk about Wisconsin 7th in the national media unless it's somebody who's actually from there. Wisconsin 7th is a very rural district. It's a district that I'm from, and there's going to be a special election in that district on May 12th. And uh, the retired congressman representing my parents and a lot of people that I grew up with and know is Sean Duffy of the real world Boston fame. Um, (laughs) A woman running to replace him, Trisha Zunker, is uh, representative of a new hope for a new era of leadership for Wisconsin 7th. And she has taken some time to talk to us today. So let's give Trisha a call. Hi, are you able to hear me? Hi, I'm Erin. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Alyssa. Uh, Trisha, where are we talking to you from? I'm in Wausau, Wisconsin, which is in oh, okay. County. Cool, cool, cool. All right, let's let's just get to it. So sure. I'm I'm from the seventh district. I grew up in Frederick. So uh, you would be Over representing my yeah yeah. We would be representing my parents if you were if you were to win the seat, which is exciting when I win because <laughs> when you win the seat. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I think that they're pretty tired of Sean Duffy, uh, Mm -hmm. and what he represented and they, they're ready for somebody new. So if I were a time traveler from the year 2005 and I asked you what was going on in Wisconsin politics right now, what would you say? Well, today it's uh, hyper-partisan gerrymandering that we are experiencing. I mean, the April 7th election was deeply upsetting to see Governor Evers call for the election to be postponed for the health and safety of all Wisconsinites and then the Wisconsin GOP to fight against that so um, aggressively is just deeply disappointing. I was heartbroken yesterday thinking about Mm -hmm. the voters that had to make a choice between exercising their fundamental right to vote and risking their lives. This is something Mm -hmm. that was avoidable. It should have been pushed back. Um, I have been advocating for the May 12th election that is my special election to be an all-male election for the health and safety of all Wisconsinites. We see voter suppression that occurred at such an egregious level yesterday. That is all that's going to keep coming down May 12th and in November here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I mean, but did the people of the state change? Like what what happened? I, when the, the Wisconsin I grew up in was a state with a lot of opinions, but it wasn't one that was so full of like 
anger and division. So, so what happened? You know, you really bring up an incredible point there because this district, as you are likely aware, is huge. It's 26 counties. It is the largest congressional district east of the Mississippi. And I have put thousands upon thousands of miles on my car getting throughout the district, listening to voters, hearing their concerns. But a common theme that has come up is that people are tired of the attacks. They're tired of the gridlock. They're tired of the division. We really are more alike than we are different here in Wisconsin, and especially in Wisconsin 7. Um, but I think it's come down to people that have been elected. And we need to focus on making sure that we elect people that are actually going to represent the people, not the corporate interests. This has been a common theme of mine as well, um, that I am ready, ready, willing, and able to represent everybody, not just the people that vote for me, but everybody. And we don't have enough leaders like that. We do have this gerrymandered district here in Wisconsin 7 that poses a challenge. But um, I think that more people are, are starting to see the light that we shouldn't just align one way or another but find the person that's actually going to represent our common values and traditions here. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that as a, I guess, as a outside observer now that's frustrating about Wisconsin politics, as you mentioned, the gerrymandering um, and you, you imply, or you, you sort of hinted at the fact that Republicans have set it up. So it's virtually impossible for Democrats to win control of the state legislature. Um, what keeps you going as a candidate in a state that has such long odds for Democrats uh, by design? I have no choice but to keep going. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've been getting throughout the district meeting with voters. I have been in rooms that have been packed. People saying, we've never seen a turnout for a congressional candidate like this. People are excited. I've been in rooms with women with tears in their eyes, so excited at the prospect of a real representative for the people. You mentioned some disappointment with our past representative, Sean Duffy. Well, I am sorry to say I, I shared that. I was very disappointed with the inadequate representation, but my opponent will be far worse, far more mm -hmm. destructive. Uh, he has a very destructive record as state senator, whether it's regarding union rights, public education, protecting the environment, so many things. And we simply cannot have that from Congress. So it's been it's been tiring. I'm a solo parent. I work a number of jobs and I've been campaigning full time. So before COVID-19 hit, I was putting so many miles on my car getting throughout the district, but I was getting motivated by people at each and every mm -hmm. room that I was in because these people, um, uh, my myself included, my relatives included, my community here in Marathon County included, deserve a real representative. And I am the only person in this race that's going to do that. Tricia, what happened this week is enough to make a lot of people lose hope watching what happened in Wisconsin. What do you say to people around the country who can, how can they keep this from happening where they are? Yeah, I, I'm sure that it does feel like a, a lot of gloom and doom, but that's what they want, right? And we can't allow that to happen. We have to remember that the right to vote is a fundamental right. It is a right that people fought for and died for, and it is something that we have to take seriously. I have advocated um, for, as I said, mail-in voting, but encouraging people to absentee 
vote here in Wisconsin. Now, keep in mind, absentee voting still has barriers. A huge problem that we have here in Wisconsin 7 is lack of broadband access throughout this extremely mm -hmm. rural district. So when we tell people, oh, you can request an absentee ballot, that's a very privileged statement. Mm -hmm. It assumes that people have internet. It assumes that they have a laptop or a computer. There's also a witness requirement here um, that an individual has to have a witness sign. Well, uh, people are practicing social distancing aggressively, strictly, and a lot of people don't have that requisite witness. In fact, last week there was a bit of confusion because it was uh, reported that people didn't have to have that witness requirement. So a lot of people sent in their absentee ballots last week without a witness mm -hmm. signature, and now they're being told their vote isn't going to count. There was no recourse for them. That's fucked mm. up. Um, yes, yeah, it is. fucked up. I, and just because uh, I always like to follow up on Donald uh, Trump's stupid press conferences. And one of the things he was saying last night, which is so relative to your um, your next race on May 12th, is that vote by mail is fraudulent. Do you really see in, in Wisconsin, are there actually any logistical hurdles to just flipping elections to vote by mail exclusively? No, I mean, Donald Trump says a lot of things that aren't true. So the mm -hmm. fact that he's saying it's fraudulent, the, the real issue is that the more people that vote, the more people that are going to vote in support of candidates who actually want to represent the people and not the corporate interests. So mm -hmm. it's not surprising that they want to try to suppress those voters. Um, the risk of fraud is slight, is incredibly slight, especially when we compare it to the risk to people's lives right. for in-person votes. Poll mm -hmm. workers that risked their lives yesterday. I don't know if you're aware of Milwaukee, mm -hmm. um, typically has 180 polling places. They were down to five yesterday. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, and people showed up, they waited in line for hours, but a lot of people also didn't. A lot of people mm -hmm. did not get to exercise their right to vote. This is voter disenfranchisement. This is voter suppression. It is unacceptable. And um, people need to um, step up and and not, not feel like we are not going to win. It's got to motivate people even more. It motivates me even more. But um yeah, what's happening here in Wisconsin right now is is terribly heartbreaking, but we have to keep fighting on. How has mm -hmm. coronavirus changed how you campaign? Well, as soon as the CDC recommendations came down, we immediately made changes. We canceled all in-person public events. Uh, my staff began working through Zoom. We have been practicing the requisite social distancing, but it's still been incredibly important for me to connect with voters, to listen to their concerns. So we've been doing a lot of events through Zoom. We've been doing Facebook. Facebook live town halls, lots of phone calls, lots of emails. Um, fundraising has been a critical aspect. This is a grassroots campaign. My opponent has Koch Brothers money backing his campaign. They are just flooding dark money into this district. Um, I'm running a grassroots campaign, so we've changed some um, fundraisers to virtual fundraisers. And really, it's been interesting because how great for the environment. You know, we're not mm -hmm. um, all in our cars uh, driving these That's distances. True. For those that don't know, the seventh CD, I'm I mean, I'll go to an event in Hudson. It's six hours round trip for me in my car just to go do something mm -hmm. over there. So now to be able to connect this way, um, it's it's a bizarre, you know, positive, but we have to find the positives and all the negatives. And we've been able to still connect and less um, degradation to the environment. Mm -hmm. um, Trisha, when I was growing up in uh, the seventh, or I think it was, I don't know if it was the seventh back then, but Dave Obi was our representative. Mm -hmm. So I don't have, yeah, I don't ever remember having a female representative. Would you be the first 
woman to represent Wisconsin's seventh. And are there other firsts that you would represent for that district? Absolutely, Erin. And I have to say, you know, I grew up in Wassa as well. I was gone for quite a while. I spent some time out where you are, where I got my law degree out at UCLA and, and worked out there for a while. But Dave Obie was my representative as well. And he has endorsed me in this race, which is such a deep honor. Oh, congrats. Yes, thank you. Um, and he's been supportive since day one. Um, I will be the first woman to represent Wisconsin 7. And I am not asking anybody to vote for me because I'm a woman, but I'm asking them to vote for me because I am a hardworking woman who's going to get the job done. But it is high time that our women and our girls see themselves reflected in congressional leadership. And our boys need to see it too. As far as other firsts, I will be the first Native American, specifically Ho-Chunk, representing Wisconsin in Congress. And a little bit of, of, of trivia here is I am a solo parent. And when I am elected to this seat, I will actually double the population of current single parents in Congress. There is wow. one representative, Katie Porter. If that mm -hmm. isn't indicative of our need for campaign finance reform, I don't know what it is because we are never going to achieve a government reflective of society until we have meaningful campaign finance reform. Mm -hmm. And Katie Porter is absolutely killing it. She's oh, one she of the amazing. stars of, of this Congress. So having more people with her life experience, I can see would only be a plus in Congress. Um, Alyssa, do you have any more questions? One quick one. During this isolation, what are you doing to stay sane? That's a great question. Um, and I've I've been checking in with uh, voters as well and encouraging them, but just kind of taking a lead from myself. I started running again. That's been <laughs> great. Uh, you know, it's kind of a helpless feeling. You did, there, It's just uncertain, difficult times. And I've felt this feeling of just feeling other. I do miss getting out in the district and talking to individuals. Um, but I've gotten out into nature more, which has only uh, reinforced and strengthened my commitment to protect our environment. My opponent, uh, State Senator Tom Tiffany, has an unfortunate nickname here. Um, they call him Toxic Tom because he supports the corporate mining interests and not the environment, whereas I'm I am a staunch defender of the environment. We need to ensure clean air, clean water, and that our beautiful land stay protected from corporate greed for generations to come. And we need to address this climate emergency with the urgency it requires. But I've been getting out into nature. I've been enjoying it. Um, again, a kind of bizarre positive. But that's how I feel we have to be. This is the hand we're dealt. We have to make the best of the situation. And getting out, getting into nature, having that physical activity has been something for me um, to, to really reconnect with as well. And I'm really mm -hmm. urging everybody else to do that. Check in on your loved ones, but check in on yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And Trisha, where can our listeners check in on your campaign? Well, I have a website, www.trishaforwisconsin.com. My name is spelled T-R-I-C-I-A, for written out, wisconsinwrittenout.com. I am on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Trisha. T-R-I-C-I-A, for written out, W-I. And I'm also on Facebook, Trisha Zunker for Wisconsin. If you were to type that in the search bar, you'll come up to my campaign page. Um, and my last name is spelled Z-U-N-K-E-R. Awesome. Trisha, thank you so much for talking to us today. And thanks for being such a breath of fresh air and positivity. And on a day of news, it feels a little bit glum. So we really appreciate you. Yeah, go crush Tom Tiffany. Yeah, crush him. I appreciate that. And I do just want to point out that, you know, you don't have to live in this district to care about this election or be affected by the outcome of it. There is national publication on the fact that the pathway to a new president starts with Wisconsin 7. We flip this district back to blue. Wisconsin is blue again. And that is the change that we need for November 2020. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
We have to take a break, but first, I know that right now a lot of you are stuck home with your kids, and kids, like all people, can be very odd. So today we're going to be hearing from some parents who are getting used to spending time with the tiny, strange people they've made on our parental vent line. Hey, Stereo Peeps. Um, I am in lockdown with a three-year-old who constantly wants to run into the road while we're going on dog walks and basically kill himself, and a two-year-old who keeps locking herself in the bathrooms and destroying our toilet paper rolls because she doesn't get that you know, there's a huge teepee crisis and we're all going to die from no toilet paper. Anyway, thanks. Stay safe. Bye. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Okay, we're back. We're at the part of the show where there's a three-block Brady Bunch intro segment with me in the middle. On the left, Alyssa Mastromonaco, who you just heard talking about the news. And on the right today, we have Riri Cheney. Hi. This is It's so good to see you. I know. This is so uh, strange and nice. <laughs> it is strange. It is strange and nice. Yeah, um, I feel like I've been doing this for the past year and a half. So I just, I'm glad oh, you yeah. came to my side. Remote. I know you are a um, remote trendsetter. 
I am. I've been zooming for a long time. Okay. I have to get on your level one day. You know what? One thing I'm really proud of among all the Hysteria crew is that none of you have ugly ass houses. Mm. I really, really appreciate that. I've been watching a lot of... Appreciate that. I've been watching a lot of local news um, and ESPN (laughs) just to feel like I'm connected to a world that exists Mm. outside of my home. And uh, there are a lot of people who do local journalism who have very, very badly decorated living rooms. I couldn't agree more. It's more like you have the choice for what your backdrop is and it can just be a plain wall. So why are you showing us like the shot glasses you got in Disney World? Which then like, is that your, that's a choice then. So you've yeah. chosen. Right. That's, you've decided that's what represents you. Part of your brand is Planet Hollywood memorabilia. And that's <laughs> fine, I guess. But there's also just walls. Like I've had, I like realize I really like a soft fabric. Um, I'm just swaddling my spirit um, (laughs) with with luxury, but I only moved in a couple months ago and I realized I need to like, I have all this art that isn't up, but I feel like something about the mania of the world. I won't know what looks level. Like I'm very worried about doing it myself (laughs) because I feel askew. And so I think I would make my walls askew and I would come out of this like, oh no, it's topsy-turvy. You, you could end up with like a Pee Wee's Playhouse type situation, which was really rad. If you go look back on the like sure. set design of that place, everything's crooked. Nothing is. So I love vintage, not that. Just like aesthetically. Because <laughs> <laughs> after he did that, he also has played so many like murderers on in TV shows. So like it feels like a, <laughs> like a step before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad nobody's sitting in front of like live, laugh, love, sponge painting Ooh. or things or about, bad like, calligraphy. <laughs> happiness is dot dot dot. Fuck you. We're in a pandemic. <laughs> We're locked in our houses. Happiness is not. Happiness is not. Um, Riri, how have you been spending your time in isolation? <sighs> Let's see. Um, I wish I could say like just creatively. I've just been exploding. Uh, That isn't it. Um, I do. (laughs) I do a lot of uh, lounging. I lounge professionally. Um, I've been I've been reading a lot. I've been reading. I've been like in that phase where I'm like, if anyone else has work they want me to read, I want to do that. Like I want to feel of service. Um, But yeah, I. I try to walk. I live up in a canyon so I can kind of walk safely. Like there's a lot of um, uh, white folk that are realizing I live in the neighborhood. So I'm doing a lot of like saluting from six feet away, (laughs) 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 like a ton of that. But it's mostly just like it's this. It's like I'm trying to stay connected to my friends. I'm trying to, you know, keep my body moving a little bit. I'm not an athletic person, but like it's something about the sanity of it all. I'm trying to do that. Um, and every so often I realize I have deadlines, so I do some work. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Um, the physical thing has been really interesting because I've talked to a few people who are either like, Alyssa, I know you guys do your walktail hour Mm -hmm. you guys, instead of having cocktails, go on a walktail. Then Um, we have a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Then you have a cocktail, but you earn it. Yeah. Um, I earn it every day. Yeah. (laughs) But I've been doing like, I'll find myself reading 
and uh, I'll just be like, I'm tired of sitting here and I'll get up and I'll just do a bunch of pushups. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I have a trainer cause I um, turned an age last year that then I woke up and my hip didn't work. So, um, but my trainer keeps posting those like, all right, get up and do some crunches. And I've never, I don't like peer pressure. I don't think it's your, like, I don't, I don't <laughs> respond to it well, but something about it. It's like, well, it came to me. It came to me from my scrolling. I have to do it. And it does make me feel like exhilarated for a moment. And then I sit back down and I watch the hours again, which I mean, everyone has. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like there are tons of um, like male training montage moments for men to look up to, like, you know, Rocky and, you know, like whatever. But we don't have as women very many training montages. I mean, million dollar baby, but that ends badly. I mean, I, but when I think of it, I think of GI Jane, I think a lot. Okay. Um, oh, that was a big one for me, not just cause how hot she looked in that movie. Um, but there, I remember it played on TBS a lot when I was in high school and I was just like, this is pretty cool. And then now I like, I remember when glow came out, like I actually got to be on set when they were doing all of that. And that was like the fantasy sequence in the end. It's just like their, their bodies and they're working out. And that was so glamorized. And so like, they're so strong, but wonderful. And I thought that was like something wonderful we were putting out in the world for children like you know that exist i, I mean and, and little and little did we know little did I, we know eventually we'd be living in a time where like people of all genders need some kind of training montage to look to to get through all wait, of this i have to tell you guys a story oh okay sad, cool but. kind of when we so you're so the other day all the rockies were on last weekend oh fine and i felt super inspired and so on saturday uh, I go walking at a cemetery because it's paved and it's easy to socially distance. And I like reading people's stories. I just find it really charming. And I salute people as they pass me too. It's like, I have a whole squad. And after I watched Rocky, I was like, I'm going to, there's this old part of the cemetery that's like straight up a hill and it's stairs. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking do the Rocky. And I twisted my ankle. Oh, mama. <laughs> I had to crawl down the stairs to get back to my car. Oh, <laughs> so, I like, I have, so I haven't been doing my walks for the past few days. <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy. Cause my, um, my, it's so steep, my neighborhood. And I like, the first day I did it, I have never walked my neighborhood at all. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make out the loop. And I didn't realize the street, the major street over was much steeper than my street. <laughs> and so I was just over there, like really hoping like Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B could like get me up this hill. But I was like, no, this, this is what's going to take me out. This I'm going <laughs> to, someone's going to find me on their stoop and like hopefully not call the cops, but could, and it's just going to go really poorly. And I like, I couldn't move my legs. I was out for three days. Yeah. You know, what's harder than the ups or the downs going down. I live like on a hill and one day I got the brilliant idea. I live on a hill and it's like the street ends in a cul-de-sac. You can run down the hill and there's like also stairs in my neighborhood. So there's a way to like run downhill, run along a street, run up some stairs, get back to the house, run downhill and like do it as a, as a big loop. And I was like, I'm going to do this as my workout, like running down a hill. No, my knees have been hurting for, it's, you don't, don't you run get, down a hill. Don't you get shin splints? I get shin splints when I go downhill too much. Yeah, you know yeah. what you do to fix that though? What? Tennis balls in a freezer and then roll your feet over them. Oh. Yeah, I had to get a foam I had to get Thank a foam you. roller. Yeah. 
yeah. just get it all out. Well, I'm glad that we're all hulking out. We're all becoming our I never, own. I would never have guessed I would have this conversation in my entire life. We're she-hulks. You know? <laughs> uh, we are she-hulks coming soon to, what streaming service is it coming soon to? I'm going to watch it. Um, it's it's Wibby. It's Wee Quibby. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody tweeting the other day, finally, something for when I'm on the go. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> it's, it's the timing of it is it's miraculous. Hilarious. There, there could not be any funnier timing for entertainment designed for people that just don't have time to sit still. <laughs> and I love like the, the billionaire dads who really tried to put this together. Like there's like, this is never very, say die. Like, they're like, yeah, we're, they're we're just, pushing through. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to have Reese Witherspoon on live until she passes out. <laughs> I mean, what else is anybody going to do? Um, I, we've been talking a lot about the pandemic. It's, it's saturated everything. And uh, one thing I was thinking about the other day is once this is over, I don't want any pandemic content ever again. I don't want movies about pandemics. I don't want books about pandemics. I'm sorry, Station Eleven, whatever the HBO adaptation was supposed to be for that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see it. I don't, no more pandemic shit. And so I also realized that it, one way to facilitate that is to start talking about things that aren't the pandemic. Like now Mm -hmm. I can, I can do that. Um, since we're stuck inside, I tried a very tenuously connected topic to being stuck inside this week. Um, and that is internalized misogyny, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. misogyny and sexism mm-hmm. that women can have inside of themselves toward other women. So Riri, since it's been the longest since I've seen you, Ooh, fun. Um, what do you think of when you think about internalized misogyny? Who just really love that transition, by the way, that made me feel um, <laughs> really ready. I mean, I was trying to, th- I was thinking about this a lot yesterday, especially, and I spoke about this before that I went to like an all girl school, like from the ages of six to 18. And I used to think, oh, I don't have, I'm, I have an internalized misogyny. I just have higher standards for women. And so for, for me, it was like, I refuse to accept the like the construct that like I am judging other people. I just think we need to be better. But in do mm-hmm. but in doing so, I was still accepting these like these like heteronormative tropes and and putting them on these mostly sweet, some of them not great, but mostly sweet mm-hmm. girls that I spent 11 years with and even and continue to throughout my my life. And so I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a feminist and I use this type of language and I don't call women sluts or whores or whatever, but like, did she make that choice? Are we all making, she should have made a better choice. And mm-hmm. so by like trying to intellectualize my language, I thought I was escaping it, but in turn, it was just like, I don't know. I was just a smart ass, a smart ass bougie did. And it still <laughs> like affects, affects, mostly judging myself. Um, Mm -hmm. but also the way I look at women, the women in my life, especially women in, in entertainment and media and like, and I always felt that I was turning it back myself and trying to police myself, but I wasn't, I was just in the policing. It just, it would, I don't know, became more Mm -hmm. and more gargantuan. So like for you, it was, you were receiving messages from outside of what women should be comparing it to how you felt about yourself and then kind of projecting that. Exactly. It's like, I have to be 
more or I have to be, you know, I have to this. There's something also about like a very I'm a very competitive person and Mm -hmm. I've been an ambitious person um, since I was little. I didn't want to. I didn't want to walk early, but everything else I wanted to do early. Um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely hid from my mother uh, for a month that I could walk. But uh, there's like, I, I, that's amazing. Yeah, I got caught in preschool and she just yelled re and I just sat down. Um, <laughs> but there is this thing of like the standards I hold myself to are, are an amalgamation of like of. I have reclaimed certain things about my body and about, you know, like sexuality, but if other women aren't doing it in the way I'm reclaiming it, there's something wrong with them. And it's on both mm-hmm. sides of it of like prudishness versus like looking at someone like they're a slatter. Never get to use that word often, but I'm going to use it. Oh, such a good word. Such a good <laughs> word. Harlot, Hulu, wonderful. Um, and then the same way about like the way the way you are a feminist, the way you are in your relationships, the way you, oh, you're letting men treat you that way. Oh, you must not be like enough in a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. and that like has been the scarier version of it to me, Mm -hmm. um, that in trying to be this like liberal of the late nineties, early aughts chick, I haven't, I judge women even harder, um, Mm -hmm. because they can't meet the standard that I only have because I'm trying to avoid being seen as insignificant by men. Hmm. Alyssa, does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. I was actually just thinking that it's like part of something I've struggled with that, that thinking about this conversation sort of helped me pinpoint about myself is that if I was in a situation where a man was promoted, I'd be like, well, of course. And then if a woman was promoted, it's it's like I took it personally. Mm. I was like, well, why not me? And it's because I think we've we've just lived with the fact that it seems like there's not enough room for all of us. Yeah. So there's only enough room for a small percentage of us. And so it's like, it's like we really are compete. It shouldn't be that we're competing against each other, but it still feels very much that way. Like, like, well, of course there can only be one woman at this level and she got it and I'm better than her. And, and like you start putting that woman down, but you don't do it the same way when a man is promoted. Cause you're like, well, of course he's promoted. He's yeah. half as good as me. Um, but no, I think that's, that's like the biggest problem that we all still struggle with is that it doesn't seem like there's room enough for everybody. And when we say we should lift, you know, each other up and yes, that's very true, but it's still like, there's still a long way to go. And I think there is the like, highest standard of the women I want to pull up with. Totally. So it's this idea. And I've heard myself say it, especially in entertainment, especially being like a black woman in entertainment of like other young women, other young black women. I'm like, okay, is she real? Is she impeccable? Because if I try to pull her up with us and like give her whatever stamp I have, which is honey, it's a real, a wash and go. But, um, I have like, I'm so afraid that that then will like not even take opportunities away from me, but put a, will besmirch how hard I've worked to fit within that, to get my spot. And Mm -hmm. it's so sad, but it is this thing that's perpetuated that like, well, you know, they're looking for a girl in the room. Like I get a lot of like, they're looking Mm -hmm. for like someone to write for the black lady. And it's like, okay, super dope. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, because none of y'all can do that. But like, I can. I've I've worked my whole life to mimic like what every other group of power sounds like, so that I feel like I can fit in. But I don't. I don't know. It's this. It's like trying to make myself smaller or in the perfect metric to mm-hmm. fit. I mean, I think I think what you said about bringing people up and having high standards for those people because of the way people are going to judge you by extension is a really apt point. Because, I mean, it, it's like in order for me to stick my neck out for somebody, I'm like the biggest cheerleader in the world. If I have faith in somebody, I'll like recommend them for mm-hmm. everything. But if they somehow are disappointing to the position that they get recommended to, I feel like mortified. And so as a result, professionally, I think that, I don't know if it's internalized misogyny as much as it is internalized, like high standards of what I need somebody to be so that it reflects well on me. So Mm -hmm. I don't mess it up for everybody else sort of a thing. Well, then I, yeah. No, I was just going to say when we were in the White House, one of the jobs that I had was uh, overseeing the appointment of uh, Senate confirmable positions. And there was one position in the government that had never been held by a woman. And it was myself and president. LOLOL. There's more than that. There's more than that. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, We and so the the other woman who was interviewing with me was also a cabinet secretary. She was a cabinet secretary. And at the end, I was like, the woman was the best. Right. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but is the organization ready to be led by a woman? I'm like, I know that's a bad question, but we want her to succeed. And so anyway, she and I went back and forth. We appointed this woman and the organization sort of rose up against her and she ended up leaving. And I have felt guilty about that for a really long time because mm-hmm. I was like, well, was she not ready? Was she? No, she was totally fucking ready. She was completely fucking qualified. But the organization rejected her, which was fucking wrong. But it was like, but our whole concern about putting forward the most qualified person was like, well, if it goes badly, it's going to be bad for all women in America. And like, fuck Mm -hmm. that. But it was, but it's really, I mean, it, it is, it is very much how we felt. Well, it's sort of like the invisible sexist next door sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is this position ready to have a woman in it? I think that a lot of times the questions we ask ourselves, like, okay, is this, are we ready for a female president? Um, We try to imagine what our imaginary sexist neighbor would think about that female president, but does that sexist neighbor exist or is that sexist neighbor a manifestation of our own feelings about a female president? And are we just offloading them onto like an imaginary other world where sexism exists, but it's not me? Do do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it feels, it feels to me like, like with the Elizabeth Warren thing um, and Hillary Clinton, um, but this election cycle, questions of whether or not America was ready for a female president, all the news coverage about um, whether or not men would be ready seemed to me a lot of people actually having some internalized hesitation themselves. And um, one way that I've seen it manifest in a less high stakes situation than like the presidential races, um, have you ever heard 
people complain about having a female boss? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. What complaints do you hear? Oh, she's such a bitch. She's so demanding. I can't believe she asked me that. Like, did you hear her tone when she said that? Like the, right. to- the tone policing. Oh, I could keep going. But like, <laughs> the tone policing is, is the one that always gets me. And I and I've had quite a few female bosses and some I had loved and some I still have dreams that they're going to make me go back to work for. And they are not good dreams. Um, But I did have this thing. I used to be like, well, if, you know, my old male boss, if he had asked me that, would I have been chill with this? And I'm like, I had to realize, oh, no, that one's that lady is just horrible. But there was like a lot of like this witch, like she thinks she's so much better than the rest of us, like this idea. And it's like, well, putting personal things aside our inability to my inability or other people's inability to accept the qualifications that person must have to to hopefully hopefully must have to be in that position we accept that if it's a dude we're like okay well you know he probably worked his way up to be this sort of executive worked his way up to have this sort of access but for a woman it's always like (laughs) Okay, well, she's just like on a power trip because she like got a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Well, here's an interesting conversation is when it came out that Amy Klobuchar, when all of those articles came out, that she like was salad. very abusive towards her set staff and that she like ate salad with a comb. And everyone was like, this is the diff. This is like my difference. It's like people were like, they're just saying that to her because she's a woman. And if any man did it, that would be fine. And like, that's actually not true. Mm -mm. I don't think if there were stories about a a man who was running for president right now, pulling off to the side of the road and like kicking their staff out or like abusing them over salad, I do think that would be an issue. And I just would like everyone to be nice to the people who work for them unless they're incompetent and then you should fire them. Well, my Mm -hmm. question is, would that have been a story? Not necessarily like if it's wrong. Oh, for a man? Yeah. Think so. Well, like, the story's wild enough. I mean, the, I mean, we've hit a the wild threshold has gotten out of hand. Well, because like, <laughs> I re- I remember the salad of it all, and I was just like, well, she was eating the salad like she's a woman. <laughs> 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 I mean, sometimes I think about it as like it's not an issue of us having standards for women that are too high in all cases. It's an issue of us having no standards at all for men. Like Booyaka. women should have. Like women should have standards applied to them. Every leader should have standards applied. to Every person should have standards applied to them. But people like, you know, Donald Trump's entire cabinet, the are like they seem to be completely immune from having any standards at all. And like, um, is it fair if there are two um, like, okay, here's an example. Betsy DeVos, Mm. terrible. (laughs) Betsy DeVos versus like a Steve Mnuchin. Um, when they were both being confirmed, I remember there was a lot more uproar about DeVos, which to me felt like, oh, they're, they're reacting. She is terrible, but she's also a woman and they're reacting more to the terrible woman than the terrible man. And I just wish that our like willingness to call out terrible things also had applied equally to the men who were terrible. Does that make sense? Well, totally. And I think also the part of it was that, Betsy DeVos looks like she knew she shouldn't be there, (laughs) which I think there was something about that confirmation hearing where she was just like, oh, I haven't read it. haven't read that. Don't know that. And it felt like, 
come on, like fake it a little bit. Like, come on. But well, uh, the, that's uh, the thing. She is the secretary of education who literally hates people getting an education. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the fundamental problem with her. That and her brother's a terrible human being. Mm. But no, it's true. Yay, wow. Women. <laughs> mediocre white women can now join mediocre white men on the pantheon of elevated mediocrity. Uh, so <laughs> proud for the community. So just to kind of round out this conversation, um, what do you think is to be done about our own internalized misogyny in as much as it applies to the way that we police other women? Like, here's an example. There's an author named Kate Mann who wrote a book on misogyny. And in her book on misogyny, she talks about enforcers, about how like the patriarchy doesn't exist unless there are women Aunt Lydia's, if you will, Mm -hmm. who enforce the patriarchal order. Um, And in a way, we all do it when we're judgmental of women for stepping out of line. Um, How do we catch that in ourselves and how do we change that behavior in ourselves? I mean, I think it's... Yikes. I have no... I don't know. Alyssa and I both just made a... uh, I don't know. We were like, we don't know. Um, Fix it. That feels like a tall order. Um, I think, you know, a little bit of it is continuing to question ourselves. I think it's... Unfortunately, the people who are already innately curious about the world will probably be the ones more um, open to questioning how they see it and how they uh, judge other people within it. Um, and I hope we have more and more curious people, I guess, and try to, uh, try to promote that in others. Also, I I don't know, like, I don't, I love to quote Taylor Swift, but like women supporting women, um, I dislike that, but it is a little bit of that. It's, you know, it's, I don't want to lower my standards because I think my I think that we should, like you said, have standards for men as well. And I think that I like the idea of of the women I'm around and the women that I love and I put forward are these exceptional people, but we're also very human. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a little bit of that whole like, you know, when the black girl magic of it all was going and everyone was like, you know, we're also just like mad human too. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they're looking at the humanity uh, of womankind, uh, with, um, a bit more grace and kindness. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Y'all just made that up, but like, it sounded okay. (laughs) It sounded pretty good. It sounded pretty good. I believe you. Thanks, honey. (laughs) And I, I co-sign your sentiment. Yes. Hashtag co-sign. I mean, do you think, do you think putting women on a pedestal is a way of uh, like kind of sneaky internalized misogyny, treating them like princesses and angels and like, Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, because they're going to fail. Yeah. Because you can't, like, by putting someone up on a pedestal in a real, like, in that kind of way, not like someone who actually, like, was a leader throughout their life. And at the end of their life, you're like, that was a great human being. But no, like, someone who is like the bachelorette. No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but like, it's if you put someone like that up on a pedestal and you make them like the standard bearer, well, everyone's human, including women. And all of a sudden, it's like if they make a mistake, it's like the world's like, I fucking told you so. Women can't do that, okay? They crack under the pressure, even though like a gazillion men do it. But I just think that it's used as a weapon Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, yeah, look, we tried. 
And I think, but also I think like trying to put more hope in the world, like in our lifetime, in our lifetimes, the number of chances has exponentially, uh, have exponentially exploded. So hopefully, I don't, I I don't know stats, but like, hopefully like statistically (laughs) the half-life of that will, it'll be even more within a short amount of time, even more. Like, I think it's just trying, letting folk shoot their shot. Um, and try to hold back that feeling of like, well, how would I do it? How have I been told you're supposed to do it? And let tra- people do it in their creative way. And hopefully it ends up successful and for the betterment of what, of, of mankind and womankind or humankind. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I just want to add, you know, one thing that I find myself doing is, um, I mean, there are gendered insults out there <laughs> and some uh, that I've heard um, and, and some people are really sensitive to their use. Um, but I think that in some cases, I, I don't want to lose some good insults that we have. Oh, I sure. think that we should, we should be willing to call men cunts if they're <laughs> acting like cunts we should we be... have a cunt for a president it's Ex- like exactly uh, and highest office in the land it's just a, right it's just a tender taint of a human being <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, f- I feel like removing the gendered nature of certain insults and applying them to men gives us access to those insults without uh without them being sexist because we can all be cunts guys i mean I th- we can all be cunts. i will never preach against creativity of language, of belief. <laughs> but also, I would never call somebody something I wouldn't call myself, mm-hmm. and I can be a super cunt. Uh, so. I have the capacity for greatness in that category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, guys, on, the, on that note, super cunts, uh, let's take a quick break. But before we get to that, more from some parents who are stuck home with some weird kids. Hi, Hysteria. It's Kim in San Diego. Currently, I am sitting in my parked car in my driveway. I have not been anywhere, and I am not going anywhere, but inside my house is a six-year-old son and a four-year-old son and a 42-year-old husband, and the days are just so much to handle. So this is where I go. It's like Lord of the Flies, and the conch has gone missing, and I just... I hope everyone out there is okay. I hope all the moms are okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome back to a very special edition of Sanity Corner. This is the part of the show where we talk about things that are keeping us from uh, totally losing our marbles. And we have a special guest this week. It is Alex Wagner. She's the host of the new Crooked Media podcast, Six Feet Apart. So Alex, tell us a little bit about your new podcast, Six Feet Apart, and uh, what we can expect from a typical episode. So... 
you know, we're in this crazy moment where I think we're all consuming an insane amount of news about the the outbreak, the virus. We're looking at epidemiological curves and and that's all, you know, I think reasonable and understandable and, um, you know, par for the course. But this thing is touching every part of American society from, you know, entertainment to sports to sex and love to, you know, um, the food system. And yet we haven't really heard the stories about how people all over our culture and our society are being affected by it. So the idea of the podcast is to talk to people both on the front lines and sort of hidden away in in this pandemic and find out how they're grappling with it. I mean, these are fundamentally stories that are funny and heartbreaking. They're stories of trial and resilience. Um, But they, they sort of span the entire emotional spectrum. And I feel like it's kind of an important thing to have right now where so much of the information we're consuming is one note and it tends to really focus on science and tragedy. There's a lot more that's happening that's unfolding and we just haven't been able to see it. So that's the idea behind the podcast. This week we're focused on ritual and religion, which is timely, I think, because, you know, you got Holy Week, the week between Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday, and Passover and also Ramadan. So I think people are thinking a lot about how to process everything that's going on, how to deal with feelings like grief and sadness, and how to think about coming together to find solace at a time when we're all pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's sort of the Super Bowl of uh, an epidemiological threat uh, meeting <laughs> the Super Bowl of spirituality all in one crazy week. Uh, that sounds super interesting, but let's pivot to the hysteria portion of this. Uh, so this is a thing we do. It's called Sanity Corner. We used to do a thing called The Hill I'll Die On, which we will eventually get back to, but I think we we need to avoid death as much as possible right Can't now. Yeah, die. Not yeah. the time. No, to... No, no. Everybody needs to stay socially distanced so nobody dies on any hills. Or if there are deaths on hills, they're spaced apart so that the (laughs) medical infrastructure can handle it. Um, So we're doing something called Sanity Corner, which is where we talk about things that are uh, distracting us, um, making us happy, making us uh, feel like connected to each other during these kind of strange times. Um, So I'm going to start with my Sanity Corner um, real quick. So guys, you know, I used to live in Chicago, right? Sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. In Chicago, there is something called the Shed Aquarium, which everybody in Chicago, know, it's, it's beloved. It's a, it's a great aquarium. The Shed Aquarium also has a Hall of Fame level Instagram and Twitter account. Yeah. And the Shed Aquarium, since, uh, since the Shed Aquariums had to close to visitors, has been posting videos of the penguins wandering around the aquarium and looking in the other animal tanks and meeting and seeing them. So there's a video. If you go to the Shed Aquarium's Instagram of a little penguin who is from the Antarctica region wandering up next to a beluga whale tank and the beluga whale is like rising up and looking at him. And these two animals would never have seen each other in the wild. And it's like, I I don't know, it's like my daily cry is just to go look at these like little penguins wandering around and taking in the wonder of the environment without people. I saw that video and I immediately texted to my friend and asked, is this going to affect the penguin sense of self? (laughs) 
<laughs> because there's like they've just been existing and they know what humans look like and they're like okay that's the dude with the fish they smell like fish all the time and now they're like learning about hardwood floors they're learning about carpets they're learning about <laughs> like okay someone other people have this glass situation like with the whales they're in water they just live in the water the whole time like me like I'm just very worried about like the psyche of these penguins with like this exposure. Like, is it it's too like much? It's like what Instagram did to us. It's like, oh, yeah. now I can see Kim Kardashian's <laughs> life. And I realize that I don't have the same shit she does. The penguins are doing the real life version of that. But, like hardwood floors. But unlike, <laughs> unlike Kim's beige ass house. That, <laughs> that, that was, well, I'm sure the penguins like hardwood floors. I know. Dope. They could be like, oh, my back feel better. Like, is that like will they forever be like there was once I did not have shin splints like I just want to make sure that they are right but it was cute it was cute as hell (laughs) um Riri do you want to go next with your sanity question yes after um you see how deeply I feel for penguins and blue whales um (laughs) I was gonna make a bit one about Angelina Jolie's uh, movie Salt appearing on Netflix because I love that movie so much. Um, But the real thing uh, has been, unfortunately, Instagram dance classes. Specifically, um, there's one choreographer dancer who has a shop, uh, has a a dance studio out here called Sweat Spot. Uh, His name is Ryan Heffington, and he has choreographed for so many people including Beyonce and he did the final number of Euphoria last season and he is fabulous and I used to actually take classes from him um but I've been and I would take friends and I've made friends there but I've just been so busy so Ryan has started doing classes like five days a week he does them uh Tuesday through Thursdays in the morning and then on the weekends in the middle of the day and it's and then he posts people tag him and things and then later in the day you see all these folk from at this point around the world dancing too and something about it has just like it soothes my spirit and it's, you know, it's not that hard. It's just the like warm up portion we usually do in class, but something about like getting up and dancing and like, and he is so effervescent. He's just a, just a, a bald man with a dream. Um, but I love it so much. And I actually found myself, he always ends with like a song of meditation. And last week, uh, the song, I just started to cry, but it was just like, I felt so like, maybe we have the power to make it through this. Um, and it's really been helping me. Also, uh, you get to, he tells you to get a prop to use in a microphone at some point, and then you scream, sing to see you. So it's to make me feel pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. He's fabulous. Um, Alyssa, how about you? Um, so I'm going to be very honest with you guys because mm. I don't ever need to be fake, right? It's hysteria. <laughs> so I've been turning a lot to Little House on the Prairie. What? Um, my sanity corner. Let me tell you why. Because Ma Ingalls has been through some shit, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. And every she's survived, time... She's a survivor. Right. Every time I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself, I go back to the first season where the hailstorm ruins the wheat crops and Pa has to leave to go make money on the mine. But Ma Ingalls gets all the town's ladies together and she's like, we're going to fucking beat the wheat. And when the men come home, the women have been stacking all the wheat that they've made. And so I call it beating the wheat. And when I have to do something, 
I'm like, fucking beat the weed, Alyssa. This is not fucking hard. People have had harder things to do. And so it has spurred me to do everything humanly possible myself. It's like holidays coming. Need a Kugel? I'm making a Kugel. Need to weed the fucking driveway? I'm weeding the driveway. Like, what? Who you needs name to it? weed the driveway? Uh, Alex, I got a lot of fucking crabgrass up here, okay? And if I don't take <laughs> care of it, it's just going to get worse. You are, like, wearing full-on gingham right now. Like, there's something about this. <laughs> this is That's my inner mind. I know. I know exactly what you're wearing right now. You're so ready. So it's like... I'm ready because after we get off the call, I got to make a goddamn brisket because sure. weed some crabgrass. Sure, sure. Do I it, know. sister. You guys, that's the thing. It's just like wash the car, dirty as hell. Fucking wash that shit myself. You so anyway, I am trying to keep my sanity by staying as busy as possible with things that take a lot of focus and concentration. <laughs> okay, okay. But you're pioneer timing it. I I can respect that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Uh, let me know how hunting season goes. Yeah. I think I have some tips I can I don't offer do, you. No, no, no. That's really? when we just focus on the legumes. We just eat okay. potatoes. I was like, okay. you're, you're not going to salt your own meats. Okay. Let's I mean, I can, I can tell you how to feel, <laughs> field dress a deer. It's not pleasant, but I can tell you how to do it. They make you learn in Wisconsin. Otherwise, they don't let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Al- Alex, why don't you bring us home with your oh, sanity man. corner? I don't know that there is a corner of sanity in this madhouse. <laughs> I just can I just say we have invasive kudzu or some kind of like treacherous meat eating vine that's threatening to swallow up our driveway. So Alyssa, when you're done, like feel free. Give me to the come address down. and some clippers, girl. Girl, I need you because I am not being industrious. We are just <laughs> literally, you know, doggy paddling. Oh, what is it when you swim in place to keep alive? Just treading water. Treading water. Treading, see, I don't even know what it's called. We're treading water. We got two kids under the age of three Ooh, who are insane children <laughs> and have gotten progressively more insane as the days have melted into one another. But let, let me offer you the small pieces of sanity or small things that have helped me cling to pieces of my <laughs> own sanity in this time of crisis. I would say... I don't have one thing. I have several small things. So here goes. One of them are Entenmann's Plain Donuts, mm. which are still not out of stock at our local grocery store. Oh, wow. I don't know if delicious. you guys have had, has anyone here ever had a donut? I have. And everyone's <laughs> like, delicious. oh, oh, donuts, donuts, this, that. It's like artisanal donuts have swallowed up the United States no. of America. But you know what still rocks? Entenmann's. A powdered Entenmann's. Just eat the even the plain is a work of art. It is like a classic yellow cake. You can't go wrong with you it. You heat that up for Don't like five so. seconds. You like yes. put that in the microwave. Yes, and my put friend. it on a plate or like a napkin like you are a queen. Yes, I understand. <laughs> oh that. my god. Just sit down after that online dance class <laughs> and eat those donuts. It will it literally, I mean it's sanity preserving. So that um I have been reading some um novels by Lily King. I just finished Writers and Lovers. It's great. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. It's all about transitioning from you know, sleeping with a bunch of crazy dudes in your 20s to trying to figure out what you're doing in your 30s, but it's very beautifully written and doesn't make you feel like you're reading a beach read. It feels like pandemic appropriate. And I will feel serious <laughs> enough and grown up enough. I'm writing that and title the, down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll figure Try out my it. life. Yeah. With a donut, boom. And then the <laughs> last thing that I'm doing, which was initially for my children, is Richard Scary. We all remember Richard Scary books, right? There's, of course. I mean, so I just bought the book 
what Richard Scarry's What Do People Do All Day, which breaks down like how bread is made, only the characters are his classic animals. And like, first of all, it reminds you of all the industry in the world that still exists as we're isolated into our small little boxes. But second of all, the names of the animals are so good. It's made me want to adopt like a small pig and a gray cat and a, a dog fireman. Like Huckle the cat, Huckle the, the 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 baby cat and Pip Pip the British cat and Jason the Mason the pig who builds houses. I mean. It will make you laugh and remember what it's like to be a citizen of humanity. Richard Scarry. I can't. The donuts, the book, <laughs> writers and lovers, and Richard Scarry's What Do People Do All Day? There's my island of sanity in this sad and crazy time. Now I really want a car that's made out of an enormous carrot to drive around. Exactly. <laughs> like the animals Exactly. There. Also, Alex, how old are your kids? One is uh, two uh, two years and, I don't know, seven months. It's hard to keep track. The other one is uh, going to turn one on April 16th. Oh. Okay, so they're, is... they're both young enough that you could change their names to Jason the Mason and Pip-Pip. Dude, I, we've actually <laughs> thought of renaming Raphael, our youngest, Dimitri or Liam. Like, every day it's a new name. I think that's probably, like, bad for his sense of self. But in this time, it's all about experimentation and rethinking our own identities. So why the hell not? I don't know. My... Right. And you know what? After... Uh, after the the um, Harper Lee book where Atticus Finch turned out to be a jerk came out, mm. I think a lot of kids <laughs> under two who were named Atticus, a lot of white Brooklyn children named Atticus had their names <laughs> changed. Control, alt, delete that name and reboot it. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> okay, Alex, thank you so much for stopping by. Her new podcast, Six Feet Apart, is available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, thank you to Alyssa for stopping by. Thanks to Riri for Skyping in. Is this Skype? No, it's Zooming. Thank you to Riri Zoom. for zooming in thank you to all of you for listening and thank you to trisha zunker for calling and talking about wisconsin and the madness that's going on there and there will be more hysteria for you next week hysteria is a product of crooked media caroline reston is our producer our editor is sarah barrett and kyle seglin is our sound engineer Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.